Hello and welcome to season two of Crazy Pastors. I'm your host, Christopher Cass. And I'm your other host, Ronnie Marriott. And this is Crazy Pastors. Today's episode is entitled, More Change? What? Can you believe it? More change? Haven't we been through enough already? Yes, we have. Yes. So we have a crazy year. We've got COVID. We've got all this stuff going on, weird elections, all that. I want us to start off with a very, very light topic called the law of requisite variety. Michael Glenn, go. (laughs) What are your thoughts? Sleeping. Uh, I I just went to sleep. I'm so sorry. This is... is, Audience, this is who I am. Is there a prerequisite to requisite? <laughs> I am full of useless information. Captain uh, this I don't think is. So here's here is the law of requisite variety. In the simplest of terms, if you have a fish that lives in the ocean, and think it, I'm going to a fish, the comparison is a fish that lives in an aquarium, in a saltwater aquarium. So if you have that fish that is in the ocean, it can overcome pollution. It can overcome temperature change. It can overcome threats of predators, and it can withstand tremendous amounts of difficult situations. If you take that same fish and you put it into a saltwater aquarium in your home, if the temperature changes one degree, what's going to happen to that fish? Dead. It dies. Feed it too much. Floats on top. Dead. If you introduce another fish into the aquarium that it's not used to... Eats it. It either eats it or it can also die from the competition. Right. So why is it that the same fish in two different environments, one thrives, one dies? So here is my argument for the church. For all of us, really, in every circumstance, we are in the church context. But this goes for every company, every organization, every family, everything. That if we are not constantly injected with change, when change occurs, we die I think that's one of the biggest reasons why so many churches over the last year and a half, how many pastors also have abandoned ministry is because they were not used to the constant stream of change. And when change occurred, they died. Mm -hmm. So I'll tee that up. What do you guys think? True, not true? Thoughts? Yeah, I think change. I think you could throw crisis in there as well. You know, sometimes our focus is to keep things easy by not changing things. Change is always risky regardless if it's the right thing or not, always brings risk and can bring crisis. And so if you try to avoid all that, you're just really setting yourself up because it's inevitable. Everything changes. And it's just to try to deny that is detrimental to churches. Well, let me give an example that I see that's happened a lot in churches through the years. You have a style of worship, and I'm going to pick on traditional, but it could be modern just as well. Mm -hmm. Matter of fact, it has been modern in some contexts. Yes. That whatever style of music that you're doing right now, that as soon as you, let's say you do the same thing for five years, and then you decide to change, to do something different, all those people that have experienced five years of no change, all of a sudden in their own hearts and minds, that's become the only way that God can communicates to them through worship. Oh yeah. And so now they have ownership. Yeah. And so when you change it, now everyone bails because that's not the way God made them to worship. Mm. So in our own traditional service over the last five years, and I know this is difficult sometimes for our people to wrap their minds around, but we've actually gone through three significant changes in traditional worship, yeah. all in an effort to become better at what we do and to reach more people. But at the same time, If we're not injecting change on a regular basis, our people become susceptible to death by change. Does that make sense? Ownership. It does, and the key that it's not just change for change's sake. 
right? There's reason behind the change. But I mean, again, everything's moving and shifting and changing, culture's changing. And part of that's just not keeping up with what's going on in the world. So again, I think you have to be careful not to just, well, hey, we haven't changed anything in six months. We've got to change something. Okay. Other than, okay, here's some things that are adjusting, changing, adapting, sometimes just being thrown out because <laughs> it's not effective mm-hmm. and letting go is tough. Well, since you mentioned that, let me throw this out, that I've heard this said two different ways, two different arguments as well. Andy McQuitty, pastor emeritus at Irving Bible, he would say every once in a while that if Irving Bible did not have a significant change once every six months, he personally had fear that they were missing out on something. FOMO. FOMO, yeah. <laughs> but they really were, I, don't, I haven't attended there in a long time since I was a member, but they really were on the edge of creativity and pushing boundaries in so many different ways. So that was part of their DNA was yeah. to do that. And it's part of Andy's DNA. I mean, he's a... Well, 100%. He's a, he likes change. And, and again, but, and he's a great pastor. He's done a great job. And it's strategic in that. I mean, even changing... I don't know, wall color or something. So th- those things that are not detrimental. But when it comes to the bigger issues, worship styles, I don't know, how you function as a church, you have to make sure that those are strategic fitting into the total vision of your church, not just trying to change because change is cool. Mm-hmm. Well, you have McQuitty saying some major change in his church has to occur every six months. And then I've got David Fletcher, which is really one of the first guys in our country that had the executive pastor title and has become a father of a generation of executive pastors. He has told me that a healthy church can sustain one significant change every six months. Mm. Yeah. So there's balance to all of this, right? Yes. Yes. I met George Bush once. Oh, did you? Yeah. You know what? I just wanted the to younger say or the name. older. <laughs> <laughs> I met the, the older, older. The older. I, I did like, too. Where yeah. did you meet him well, at? No, oh, gosh. <laughs> well, tell us about your conversation I'm with George Bush. I'm not going to tell you that. Did you uh, fly in? He was at his Air library One? in College Station. But. <laughs> okay. Michael, have you of met any famous met people you know, that you'd like to name drop on? I yeah. almost met Fergie one time. <laughs> Are you serious? I was. I was about. You mean a Spice Girl? Uh, no, no, uh, different, different era. Uh, <laughs> uh, but I did meet Fergie almost. Spice I got about girl. six feet away from her and her bodyguard, I think saw me and said, nah, ain't happening right now. So were you fully bearded back then? I was not. I was a young lad. <laughs> oh, wow. How did you not get uh, through security? I don't know. He's had that beard you, since he was six look years old. much more old, now. Yeah. yeah. I did not come out of the womb this way. As some would think, no. <laughs> So the, the argument is for that we have Sorry. to have some type of change constantly. Mm-hmm. And there's certainly balance to all of that. One of the things, matter of fact, I'll, I'm sorry to throw out two, two things that may spur some conversation. The first is you guys know we talk about Kaizen here among mm. our staff. Yes. That we need to be practicing constant, continuous, incremental improvement. And the reason why is that small, minor, little changes are very edible, very acceptable to people. And then if David Couch, our resident counselor on staff, were in the room, he'd throw out his famous line of systemic desensitization. That's our big word for the day. It's actually two words, I'm sorry. Okay. But the idea that we change things small to get people desensitized to the concept of change. And we've really tried to do that here. Yeah. Do any examples come to mind where we've made small little changes? <laughs> well, I mean, the term that you use from David Couch typically is used as a negative term, but also can be done positively. I think just changing decor in a church, which we've done that, again, kind of update, looking like we're relatable to people. But you're amazed at how changing a carpet color or changing the color of a wall, mm-hmm. moving something to a different location can cause great angst among people. Yes, it people. can. 
right? Oh, I have learned that serving in your churches. <laughs> I remember I remember moving an information desk oh, yeah. that deacons had built oh, yeah. on a Sunday. Yeah. And I thought the pitchforks and the torches were coming out. Yes. Mm. Yeah. So and I think sometimes we enable that, right? We realize that change is always happening. Perhaps church leaders have done a poor job explaining the why behind the changes. Yeah. Okay. Now now we're getting to something now that Ryan talks about all deeper. the time. Yeah. We've got to focus on the why behind the what. Yep. Yeah. One systemic desensitization that we did this very week that our people are going to experience on New on Christmas Eve is that I added two chairs to, I don't know, probably 20 rows. We got rid of one of our numerous aisles in oh. our seating. Yeah. And we're doing it very, very small amounts over weeks coming to get people out of being used to our COVID seating. Right. I must now, have missed the vote on that. Uh, there was no vote. Oh, okay. There wasn't even a committee involved. Hmm. That was an executive no decision committee? that was made. Yes. Not very Baptist. Yeah. So, church members, that's all me. If you have any complaints, <laughs> if you'd like to discuss anything, please reach Email out to me. Christopher Cass. Christopher. Yeah. <laughs> crazy Christopher. <laughs> All right, so how, how about you, Michael? Any thoughts on this whole change thing and small change, big change? Yeah, I, I always think about change the way that I think about growth. So if we want to grow, mm -hmm. change is required. This wasn't from David Couch. This is from someone else, but he says it a lot. If if you want something that you've never had, you got to uh -oh. do something that you've never done. But oh, that's good stuff. So, and that there's is good. different Amen. ways to word that, right? But I, I think of, you know, the, the many little things that we do around here that are systemic desensitization moves because we want to grow. It is the why behind the what. And I think that it really does come down to if even tradition, you talk about the love of tradition. Well, why do you love tradition? Do you love tradition just for the sake of it's something that we've always done before or do you love because of the why we've always done it before? And so I think that is really what we have to come back to is, is why are we doing it? Yeah. What is the exactly. goal? Yeah. Yes. Is it because we want to grow? Is it, is it because we want people to have a deeper love of Jesus? Is, is it because we want them to have a deeper sense of community? Whatever that question is, I think we have to ask that. Or really, we just love control. I think is is that's the killer that's of, of change, is that we we love just being able to wrap our arms around and wrap our mind around, this is what we're doing. It's because we've always done it this way, rather than really pushing and ask ourselves the question, which it's, it's hard, right? It's hard to think of. Um, I'll, I'll use uh, even, I remember we put the drums on the stage and traditional right as a little one step of maybe one day there are <laughs> drums that are added they're not they're not right now yeah. right um but to ask the question there hasn't been drums on the stage for 30 years could that even be a move is that something that that we do? I don't know. Well, but that, that's a that's a little question that that's hard to ask as a 70, 80 year old person who has never had that. Um, and again, that's easy coming from the thirty one year old guy. Right, well, that's and, easy. And I know? think the challenge is fighting against predictability. For the most part, we don't like to be predictable, even mm. in our worship services. Those kind of things we like to, to kind of keep people to somewhat on an edge, not knowing, hey, okay, at this time this happens always. But there are certain things to predictability that are anchoring for a church or anything that's going through change. I think that's one of the things that we learn early on in this whole process of coming in to a church and transition after a 29-year pastor that we started talking about things that will not change. Oh, yeah. Before we really dove deep into things that we're going to change, here's some constants that we are not going to change. And I think that provided security for people to know, okay, they care about this church like I do because even though they're new and some of our members have been here for a while and I can, I can 
trust them. They've said these parts of the church are not going to change, which allowed, I think, us some freedom to make some changes in some difficult areas as well. I, I think that you're hitting on a crucial point here. Yeah. Unequivocally, I think we can say that if you refuse to change, you're going to die. I remember being at a national uh, Presbyterian conference, and this guy, Stan Ott, had just gotten up, who's a, a thought, I don't know if he's still alive anymore, but he's a thought leader in the Presbyterian world, and he was the keynote, and he had just gotten up and said that we have to change or we'll die, which is a Tom Peters quote. And I remember right after he got off stage, I'm in line to get lunch with a group of these pastors that I was with, and they asked me, what do I really think about what Stan had just said? And I said, yeah, I mean, if we look at mainline denominations, 95% are stagnant or declining in our country. We've got a real problem. We need to change. And I'll never forget these guys saying, no, I don't think so. <laughs> God is unchanging, and so shall we. Wow. Oh, my word. Wow. That's, okay. yeah, that's pretty rough. Yeah. So definitely, there's got to be some balance to the equation. We must change. I think the challenge is what we change and how we change. Yeah. Yes. So coming back to this Todd Bolsinger concept from Canoeing the Mountains, you said, yes. yeah. here at our own that. church, when we started to lead through change at our church, we were very deliberate to say, hey, here are the things that will never change right. about our yeah. church. Do you remember what some of those were? Um, like we'll always have life groups. We're always going to have small groups. It's going to be a major part of our church. We're always going to have deacons. We're always going to have that body of church members that, that are service-oriented, some yes. of those things. We also said we are always going to be a Baptist church. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> that even though we refer to ourselves publicly as First Burleson, yeah. we tell people that Baptist is still our name, but it's our middle name. That, it's really important. We just don't use it all the time. That was a change that brought heartburn with yeah. some people, just not saying First Baptist Church, Burleson, the whole thing out. Right. And even, Michael, on the issue of drums on stage and traditional, you know, we actually put on and took off drums three times <laughs> before they actually landed permanently on the stage. Mm, wow. Yes. Right? And the eventually what helped us get over the hurdle was explaining to people the mass chaos it creates when our Spanish service has to come in and set up a whole drum kit within five minutes for the next service to occur for them after right. traditional is over. Yes, yep. and painting them to blend into the background so you can't really see them was helpful. <laughs> that would, Yeah, we haven't done any of oh, that. Oh, we've done, okay. No, right. but I understand we are going to get a divider up there to hide them a little bit more. Yes. But in all fairness, that is because of the idiosyncrasies of our lead pastor, not of our membership. <laughs> <laughs> Chaos kills. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so Clutter. hey, let's let's Clutter take a break kills. real quick. Let's go into our go no-go segment of the podcast. This is our part of the show where we highlight movies, books, podcasts, things that have been helpful, but also things that are an absolute complete waste of time. I'll go first on this one this week unless one of you guys wants to jump in. No, please go ahead. Okay, my go is more of a concept. I'll use as reference though a book. So I, I saw you guys wondering what in the world I was doing bringing this book in today. This book is called Petroleum Engineering, Drilling and Well Completions by Carl Gatlin. Read it. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you have. I can say that I have read it, but let me tell you why. That's where petroleum jelly comes from. Uh, no, that is not true, sir. Oh. The reason I read this book is that I have one of my dearest friends who is in the oil business, and I wanted to be a better friend to him, so I decided to understand his industry better so that we can have actual conversations about the issues, the struggles that he has in his work. So Stubby Davis Doublefield out of Houston gave me a copy of this book, and I started reading through it. So wow. 
we can actually, I, and this is years ago, so I've read it a long time ago, but it improved our relationship. And this is what I'm really getting at. The go for me in this segment is if you want to be a better leader, if you want to be a better friend, if you want to be a better Christian, in my opinion, you've got to read outside of your sphere of influence. Yes. You've got to read things that are so obtuse to being a pastor like watchmaking or petroleum engineering because it will help you in so many areas of your life. Mm. Well, I know that seems crazy, but I really believe it. Well, I remember when we first met and you read Cat in the Hat to be able to talk to me a little more <laughs> in depth. I thought that was... That, that really endeared me to you. <laughs> that was a significant moment. Oh, was it Redfish, Bluefish? I don't yeah. remember. One of those. <laughs> oh, that was good. <laughs> the lovely Dr. Sue. How about one of you May guys? May rest in peace. Michael, you got one? I have one. You know, there's a really foundational book. I'm the worship guy on this podcast, so you're going to get worship resources. It's fine. Just just yeah, deal with it. It you is know? fine. There's a book called Worship Matters. It's super foundational uh, for me. Yeah. And uh, it's written by Bob Coughlin. I think it's actually required reading at seminary right now. So some seminary students are probably rolling their eyes right now, but that's fine. <laughs> it is powerful really walking through how and why we worship the way that we do and really the heart behind and meaning behind and lining out in Scripture the whys behind our liturgy and all of those good things. And so it's really, really helpful. That is a great book. And a little-known fact about Bob, his first career was Rodeo Clown. I don't know if you guys know that. I did know that. Yeah. Yeah. So really? how about you, Ronnie? <laughs> <laughs> you said Bob Goff, right? Which I'd probably read the worship book before I'd read Petroleum Engineering. So yeah, thank probably, you for giving it's, something It's else. a much more interesting <laughs> read, I'll second admit. <laughs> and as soon as I finish Redfish, Bluefish, I'll be on it. <laughs> so, Ronnie, do you have a go-no-go for this week? Yeah, there's a new podcast out called Crazy Pastors. Oh, that, no, 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 no. Okay. You can't use that one, although it is excellent. Yes, and you should all listen to it, as you are now. <laughs> you should listen to it. <laughs> changed my life. Uh, yeah, the, the podcast, The Roy's Report, Julie Roy's mm -hmm. is an investigative reporter to some degree. So she spends a lot of time digging a little bit deeper into some of the issues that we're hearing with celebrity pastors and some of the chaos that's going on in the church world. Her focus really is on interviewing the, the victims or people that have been devastated or impacted negatively by some of those experiences. So it's a, it's a little different perspective different angle. I do think she kind of typically has a certain angle on things, uh, listening to her interject her comments, but <laughs> I don't think interjects a word. Listening to her inject. That is, that is a word. <laughs> is it? Is it? In, okay, yeah. sorry. Didn't sound right for something. <laughs> listening to her inject her comments from a certain perspective. But if you're looking to kind of know a little bit more about some of the things that are happening. In fact, she just interviewed a guy who wrote the book, The Unleader, which in light of what we've been talking about and kind of our culture is a very interesting read and look forward to talking more about that. Yeah, actually, we'll do a whole podcast about that topic later. Oh, okay. Uh, that's a good one. You know, you. I, I, I really do respect Julie a lot. You know, I think some of the very first things she did that got national acclaim was looking into some of what was going on at the Village Church. That was yeah. a big deal, which, by the way, is a great church. Yeah. And then, of course, all the Mars Hill stuff. Willow. And, yeah, Willow. Even Dave Ramsey. McDonald, Ramsey. Yeah, Dave You Ramsey. know, lots of things. One of the things that she has talked about which I know everyone hears about now, but it was a new concept for me. I really had never even thought about it was spiritual abuse. Yeah. What in the world is spiritual abuse? 
Well, not only do I know about it now, but unfortunately, in you know pastoral counseling, I've seen evidences of that recently mm. with members of our church that have been other places, and we've had to kind of unwind some stuff. Yes. So it gets messy. It does. Well, today we're talking about the topic of change, and as we close the podcast, let me just say this. We talk kind of definitively about a lot of topics, and I do want everyone listening to the podcast to know that we recognize that we are fallible men, Yes. that we have all of our own problems and mm-hmm. idiosyncrasies, and yes. there are things that we have completely wrong. So yeah. I'm never going to suggest that we have it all right and everyone else has it all wrong. Yeah, so ignore those. Yeah, but what we are trying to do is stir thought for you that are listening. Great point. That we want to be a resource, we want to be a help, and we do want to help you move the needle. The point of all these podcasts that we're doing is just to challenge you to think about things a little bit differently. And if there is something that we can help you with, please reach out to us at crazypastors at firstburleson.org. We would love to have coffee, have a Zoom call, and whatever small modicum of wisdom that we have, we are happy to share. Yes, or burritos. We'd love to have burritos. We, yes. All right, guys. Any closing thoughts? Great. All right. That's going to do it for this episode of Crazy Pastors. I wouldn't change a thing. As always, if you have a crazy pastor story to share or would like us to discuss a specific topic, please email those to crazypastors at firstburleston.org. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. Bye.